0: is the Music History Today highlights podcast number five. This week we discussed putting Queen Latifah into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we put a Skrillex song into the EDM Hall of Fame, and we did three Patreon podcasts. This podcast gives you the highlights from all of the podcasts on this network that came out this past week. Let's start with the Music History Today, the weekly edition, which drops every Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On that podcast, we usually go over the music news of the week, do some album reviews, talk about who should be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and go over the music charts for the week. This week, we started only doing the news, charts, and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame segments on the free version of this podcast, which you can find wherever you're listening to this particular podcast on right now. And here is a clip from that podcast. This week, we're going to look at the case for putting Queen Latifah into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay, before you start yapping about how hip-hop shouldn't be in the rock hall, Stop, because you lost that argument a long time ago. Now, let's leave her acting out of this, which is rather substantial these days. She's in the new Equalizer TV series, actually. And let's just look at her music case. To the tail of the tape we go. Queen Latifah, whose real name is Dana Owens, has released eight albums, of those... Three hit the Top 30 Albums chart, and all of them hit the Top 40 on the R&B charts. Singles-wise, she's released 37 songs. Of those, 10 hit the R&B and rap charts in America, while 6 hit the charts overseas. Arguably, her biggest single is Unity, which went to number 7 on the R&B chart and number 2 on the rap chart. What makes Queen Latifah worthy of being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't her chart success. It's her influence. She, along with Moni Love and salt and Pepper, influenced an entire generation of female rappers during a time when it was completely dominated by men. Without the early female rappers, you wouldn't have rappers who came up afterwards like Debrat, Lil' Kim, and now, of course, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Plus, her message of female empowerment and respect at the time of extreme misogyny in hip-hop spoke volumes, especially the song UNITY. Will she be inducted this year? Probably not. Jay-Z's first year of eligibility is this year, so he'll probably get in, and they do not put in more than one hip-hop artist into the hall in one particular year. They like to spread it out. However, for her influence on hip-hop in general and on female hip-hop artists in particular, Queen Latifah definitely deserves to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The full version of the podcast with the topic segment, the EDM Hall segment, and reviews to go along with our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame news and chart segments can be found on my Patreon and OnlyFans pages. We'll discuss those later in the podcast. Last week's topic, by the way, was the complicated life and death of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, Phil Spector, who was also probably these days more famously known for being accused of murder. Tuesday's podcasts are always the EDM podcast, where we go over the EDM news and charts and induct someone into our EDM Hall of Fame. It also drops at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday. This past week on the free version, we inducted Skrillex's song Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites into our EDM Hall of Fame, and here is some of that. As we've branched out our Hall of Fame lately, we've inducted more than the obvious aspects of EDM, the aforementioned DJs, remixers, and producers. We've also inducted record labels, technology, and songs into the hall. The criteria for putting in either a song or an album is that it has to have been released 10 years ago, minimum. That's going to leave most of your favorite songs out, at least for now. Also, the song has to continue to be played in DJ sets or be put in remixes or get sampled getting played on the radio or in sports stadiums to this day. In other words... It has to have endured throughout the years. For instance, Darude's Sandstorm, which gets played at sports stadiums to get the crowd pumped up. Plus, gamers now play it on their live streams, and it still shows up in stadium festival sets. That is the sign of a classic dance song. That it's still getting played by a whole new generation, and it's just as loved. Sonny John Moore is a man who, much like Nickelback, people love to say they hate, but damned if they still just keep on selling out shows and also people keep buying their music. Sonny was born and grew up in the Los Angeles area. He started out as the lead singer of the post-hardcore band From First to Last in 2004. They were beginning to become successful until Sonny started developing vocal problems and had to quit. Once Sonny had successful vocal surgery, he started a MySpace page and started releasing songs. He released the EP, Gypsy Hook in 2009. In 2010, he was going to do a new album with producer Noah Shane, but decided not to. Instead, he decided to produce his own album. He also decided to change his name to what we now know him as today, Skrillex. Skrillex released an EP called My Name is Skrillex in 2010 on MySpace and let people download it for free. He then released his iconic EP, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. The EP was not only successful, but it also won him awards. At this point, Skrillex started being everywhere. He did music for video games like Syndicate and Mortal Kombat. He started side projects like Jack U with Diplo and Dogblood with Boy's Noise, which would also go on to win awards. He also became a much sought after remixer, including doing remixes for people like Lady Gaga. In doing all of that, Skrillex has become a Grammy Award magnet of sorts, being nominated for 12 awards, including Best New Artist, and winning 8 of those 12 awards. The song. Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites was written and produced by Skrillex and recorded between July and August of 2010. It was released on the Mousetrap and Big Beat record labels on October 22, 2010. The sample of a woman who screams, Yes, oh my gosh, is YouTube star Rachel Nedro, also known as Speedstacking Girl after she stacked a set of cups in a video. The title of the song was inspired by the thin white duke himself, Mr. Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie, and his album, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps. Official remixes for Scary Monsters the single were done by Zed, Cascade, Phonat, Noisia, the Juggernaut, and Dirty Phonics. Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites went top 20 in five different countries and went to number one in Australia. It was also the 50th biggest song of 2011 in Sweden. As far as awards went, the song started the decade love long love affair that the Grammys has with Skrillex as it won the Best Dance Recording Grammy And, oh, by the way, it still gets played in DJ sets to this very day. The title track from Skrillex's EP, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, inducted into our EDM Hall of Fame. Now, to the paid podcast. I've also started a Patreon page where I have a couple of tiers at the moment. Tier 1 gives you all of these podcasts, the free ones that is, along with the full versions of the Music History Today Weekly Edition podcast and the EDM podcast, along with a minimum of four extra podcasts per month. Those podcasts on that tier will be the Top Albums podcast, the Top Singles podcast, the Top Dance Songs podcast, and. The Music Hall's Fame podcast, with each of those podcasts dropping one episode per month. That tier will cost $5 per month. There may also be another podcast added for that tier, depending on the month, but those four podcasts are guaranteed each month for Tier 1. Here is a little taste of one of the podcasts that you'll get in that tier this month. The full versions of the podcast, along with the Thump Magazine Greatest EDM Songs of All Time segments, the reviews, and certain weeks a topic segment once music gets back to full steam, to go along with our EDM Hall of Fame news and chart segments, can be found on my Patreon and OnlyFans pages. Then, every day we do a short podcast called Music History Today where we go over the music events that happened that day in music history along with some of the birthdays of musical artists. This past week's birthdays, by the way, included Sam Cooke on January 22nd, Triple X Tentation on January 23rd, Warren Zevon on January 24th, Etta James and Alicia Keys on January 25th, Eddie Van Halen on January 26th, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart on January 27th, and Sarah McLachlan on January 28th. This week's Spotlight Music Hall of Fame is the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles, California. There are actually three Grammy museums now, the one in Newark, New Jersey, and the other in Cleveland, Mississippi, to go with the main one in L.A. The Recording Academy runs the museums, but has been inducting members into its Hall of Fame since 1974. The main Grammy Museum itself, with its Hall of Fame wing, opened in 2008 at L.A. Live, which is the downtown L.A. complex that has the Staples Center. The museum has four floors, including a theater. Some of the past exhibits there have paid tribute to, among many others, John Lennon, Roy Orbison, Latin singer Jenny Rivera, and the world of hip-hop. Ticket prices are $15 U.S. for adults, $13 for seniors, college students with I.D., kids 6 through 17, and military members with I.D. Children 5 and under and museum members are free. Its normal hours are Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., and weekends from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. However, due to the pandemic, check the museum's website to see if and when it is open. As of this podcast date, according to their website, the museum in Los Angeles, at least, is currently closed until further notice grammymuseum.org is its website. Adam Adrock Horowitz was a boy from Manhattan who played punk rock music as a kid. When guitarist John Barry quit a different punk rock band called the Young Arribne- Ar- Aborigines, Adam joined that band. As time went on, His new band changed its sound from punk to a new form of music called hip-hop. They originally had three guys, Adam, Michael, Mike D. Diamond, and Adam, M.C.A. Youch, And they also had a woman. But the woman, Kate Schellenbach, left the group and is now the drummer for Luscious Jackson, who had one major hit of their own called Naked Eye. I digress, though. The rest of this hip-hop band went on to have a massive career and are now members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The band is the Beastie Boys. The Beasties experimented with hip-hop and put out an EP called Cookie Puss, whose title track was Them Prank Calling a Carvel Ice Cream Store. Listen, you gotta get your entertainment from somewhere. It was back in the 1980s. What else were you gonna do? Because Cookie Puss did so well, the band decided to go into hip-hop full-time. And that was actually what led to Kate leaving the band because she wanted to do punk rock still. The group hired a DJ for their shows named Rick Rubin, who went to New York University. Rick eventually decided to go into producing and got another friend from NYU named Russell Simmons to form a record label with him. They called it Def Jam Records. When that was formed, the first group that Rick wanted on it was the Beastie Boys. The group recorded their debut album, which they were going to call something with a homophobic name, but that idea was blissfully killed. The group also did something that at the time wasn't too popular. Usually, an artist will put out one, possibly two lead singles from an album before releasing the entire thing. The Beasties released three. They started with Hold It Now in April of 1986, then released Paul Revere. A week before they released their album, now called License to Ill, they released The New Style. One month after that, the group released the song and the music video that would break things wide open for them, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party. Once that song came out and the video made heavy rotation on MTV, it was off to the races. The group also released Brass Monkey, Girls, and No Sleep Till Brooklyn, which featured a guitar solo from Cary King from Slayer, who Rick was producing at the same time that he was producing the Beastie Boys. Licensed to Ill became one of the fastest-selling albums of all time, eventually selling over 10 million certified copies in America alone. The importance of the album to hip-hop cannot be understated, It became the first hip-hop album to hit number one on Billboard's Albums Chart. It also helped to get hip-hop played on MTV, which was finally warming up to the idea that hip-hop wasn't a fad at that point. The Beasties, along with Run-DMC not much later, made hip-hop cool for suburban kids to listen to. Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer a few years later for better or worse, would water hip-hop down enough so that it would be cool for suburban mothers to listen to, thus completing hip-hop's rise in pop culture to accepted mainstream status. For Tier 2 on Patreon, you will get all of the free podcasts along with all of the paid podcasts on Tier 1, along with a minimum of at least 5 additional podcasts per month. That tier is $10 per month. The additional podcasts on that tier are the Top Dance Songs by Decade podcast, the Award Show History podcast, the Music and Concert Venues podcast, and the Music's WTF Moments podcast. Those podcasts each have one episode dropping each month. The Music History In-Depth podcast will also be in the tier and will be a weekly podcast. Still, there may be another podcast added for that tier as well. And much like Tier 1, it all depends on the month, but those five podcasts are guaranteed each month for Tier 2 only. Here is part from one of the podcasts that you'll get in Tier 2 this month, followed by part of of the music history in depth podcast which dropped this past week this podcast covers some of the controversial shocking sad and strange events that have happened in music history this first event has a bit of mystery surrounding it in the late 1950s through the early 1960s sam cook was the king of soul music He actually started out singing gospel music like a lot of people who eventually sang soul music. Starting in 1957 with the song You Send Me and going through 1964, Sam racked up hit after hit. What made Sam even more special was that he wrote all of his songs instead of relying on a songwriting team like, say, many one at Motown. On the evening of December 11, 1964, Sam checked into the Hacienda Motel in Los Angeles. He did not leave the motel alive. According to the testimony of motel manager Bertha Franklin, Cook attempted to rape his companion Alyssa Boyer, who he had taken to the motel that night. Once Boyer escaped the attempted rape, she ran to get the manager. Once Cook realized that Boyer had escaped, he ran down to the manager's office demanding to know where Boyer was hiding. Cook then attacked Franklin, who then shot him three times. Franklin was later acquitted on murder charges and the case was ruled justifiable homicide. There has been just a little bit of doubt thrown into that story since then. Some people believe that Boyer went to the motel willingly and actually robbed Cook, then fled, which was why Cook, of course, became enraged. Boyer had been arrested for prostitution, so I guess it's really not out of the realm of... Remember, you get a minimum of 42 podcasts on Tier 1 and 50 podcasts on Tier 2. Plus, I may add another tier or two down the road... Not quite sure as of yet, but probably will. I also have an OnlyFans page that is $10 per month that has all of the offerings that you will find in the Tier 2 package on Patreon for those of you who don't like dealing with Patreon. If you like what I do and the value that it brings and you want more, then please, please, please consider supporting my pages. And that is it for this week's edition of the Music History Today Highlights Podcast. Thanks for listening. For more music podcasts, check us out on all of your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, etc., etc., and also on OnlyFans and Patreon, all under Music History Today. Thanks for listening. Audio engineering and editing, video editing, writing, narration, catering, basically everything is done by yours truly. You can find us on our website at cjbtproductions.com. Our podcast is on all of your favorite podcast providers, such as Apple Music, Google Podcasts, CastBox, etc., etc., Look for them all under Music History Today when you search for us there. If you would like to support this podcast, our paid OnlyFans can be found at OnlyFans.com backslash Music History Today, and our Patreon can be found at Patreon.com backslash Music History Today. We are also on Twitter at Music History Day And you can find us on YouTube and Spotify. Just search for us under Music History Today. Thanks for listening.